This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, well, praise the Lord once again. If you haven't been here on Wednesday nights, I, I think we started back in the middle of January talking about faith, and a lot of it had to do with me, that there were some things that happened late last year in early January, and it literally rocked me, rocked me. And rocked me to the point my wife said to me, she said, you need to get into faith. And when she said that, I realized what she was talking about was right. How do you get in faith? Well, the only way that faith comes is by hearing the Word of God. Remember, uh, faith is a byproduct of the Word of God. So you start reading the Word and getting around the things of God, and you'll begin to sense your faith rise where there's a trust. Now, a couple weeks ago... We, we talked about some small foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little foxes. That Song of Solomon, chapter 2, 15, it says, it's the little things that will spoil the vine. A couple weeks ago, we talked about one thing that, that will wreck my faith is unforgiveness for any one of us. And unforgiveness is a big thing to God, and unforgiveness is very, very serious, real serious. Now, in Mark chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, actually, if you read 22 through 26, you get real happy about verse 22. It talks about the God kind of faith. Mark eleven twenty three says that we're to speak to the mountain, and the things will begin to happen. Mark eleven twenty four says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you'll have them. Now, I love those things, that I can speak to the mountain, I can pray in faith, but a lot of times we quit right there. Verse 25 and 26 have specifically to do with unforgiveness. And the Lord said in verse 26, he said, If you don't forgive others, I cannot forgive you. And oftentimes when we're praying and believing God for certain things in our life and things don't happen, one of the first thing you ought to look at is this, do I have unforgiveness in my heart? And it's not easy to not only forgive people, it's not easy to, to walk in that, to live it out. Now, go with me to, to Psalm 103. We're going to review this just a little bit, and then we'll jump into something else. Psalm 103. I was told this story just recently, and this is a true story. There was a man who was born again, a believer, confessed Jesus as Lord. And his wife had a dream. And in the dream, she saw herself go to heaven she saw her children go to heaven, grandchildren, great-grandchildren that went to heaven. But her husband, this man who was a born-again believer, he didn't make it. And this dream was so real and, and serious to her. And she asked the Lord, why did my husband make it? And she, the Lord told her, because of the unforgiveness in his heart. And she confronted him with it. Not out of anger, but out of love to say, listen, you got to get your heart right. And so it doesn't matter if you're born again or not born again. I've got to learn to walk in forgiveness. Just because I'm born again doesn't mean I'm exempt from that. Now look at Psalm 103. Let's begin in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, I bless his holy name. Ooh, that's powerful to get in the presence of God and just bless him and honor him. 
Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, when you're a child of God, God has a benefit package for you. Some of God's benefits are he saves us, he forgives us, he loves us unconditionally, and he also is a God that heals, he's a God that delivers, he's a God that sets free. Those are part of his benefits. Now, watch what happens in verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities. Now that word forgive there means he pardons all of your iniquities. I don't know about you, but I rejoice in this. If, if you were a good sinner like I was, I thank God he pardons all my sins. That's a promise here. But then he jumps on and says, and he heals all your diseases. Now, when we talk about forgiveness... Forgiveness, guys, isn't a ritual. It's not a performance. Forgiveness is an attitude or a condition of my heart. Now, in this passage right here, when he talks about he forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, I begin to really look at this and I thought, is there a connection here between forgiveness and healing? I believe there is. Because he didn't put this in order just for the fun of it. He put it in order very strategically. And as if the Lord was saying, if you walk in forgiveness or when you forgive, then healing is released. And I believe this with all my heart that a lot of times what binds up God from being able to heal people in their life is because we walk with unforgiveness. Now years ago, and many of you have heard me tell this story. This has only happened to me two times in my life as a pastor. But I had been praying one day and there was a lady in her church who had been in the hospital. And she said, Pastor, come to the hospital and pray for me. And I said, man, I'm going. I'll be there today. I got in here and I began to pray. And the Lord said to me, he said, don't pray for her for healing. Now, don't judge me for saying that, okay? Listen to the story, all right? And he said, "Don't, don't, don't pray for her for healing. And I said, why, Lord? And he said, I've dealt with her over and over and over again about unforgiveness in her heart. And he said, until she forgives, I cannot heal her. Now, that doesn't mean I don't pray for her, okay? It just meant that specifically. So I go up to the hospital, and I'm, I'm in the elevator, and I sense the Lord say that to me again. So I get off and I walk to her room and she's so thrilled to see me. She said, Pastor, give me a hug. She said, I'm so glad you came to pray for me to be healed. And I sensed the Lord right there rising up. Now, you know what? You can tell the truth in love. And I looked at her and I said, I didn't come to pray for your healing. And she looked at me and she said, why not? And I said, you know why not? I said, the Lord told me. That you're dealing with unforgiveness in your heart. And he's dealt with you over and over again. He wants to heal you. But until you forgive, he can't do it. You know what her reaction was? It was almost like she grew fangs. And out of her mouth, she said, I'll never forgive him. I'll die before I'll forgive him. And she knew exactly what I was talking about. And it, it shocked me where I backed up almost like, Oh my goodness. And I said, I beg you, forgive. Walk in forgiveness. And once again, she said, you don't know what he's done. 
Well, the bottom line is this. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who curse you. Bless those who despitefully use you. That's all in in Matthew 5. Is that easy? No. But part of that is to keep my heart right. And when I keep my heart right, it's like God. He overflows. He opens the channels to bless you and he wants to bless you. Now to walk in forgiveness, you got to guard your heart. This happened two weeks ago on Friday at the Men of Iron. I'm downstairs eating breakfast and this guy pulls a chair up next to me. And he's an older guy and he's got a cowboy hat on. And he said, can I sit with you and eat? And I said, absolutely. And so he takes his cowboy hat off and I look at him and I said, do I know you? And he said, yeah. He said, I pastor in such and such city. He said, I've been around you numerous times. And he said, this is God that I'm around you. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, I've got to ask you a question. I said, go ahead. He said, did pastor so-and-so do this to you and your church years ago? And when he said it, I looked at him. And my response immediately was this. Listen, buddy, my heart's right, okay? I've forgiven. I walk in love. Once again, I can't choose what other people do. I can only choose what I do. And so in this situation, it's almost like it stirs something back up on the inside of you. It would be like me asking you, someone that you had forgiven years ago, and just for me to say to Adrian here, Adrian, you remember old Billy Bob? And he would look, and if Billy Bob had hurt him or done something, that would rise up in the inside of him. Well, when he did that, and so this man looked at me, this pastor, and he goes, I know he did that to this church, and I know he did that to this other church, and he did it to yours, didn't he? And I got real quiet. And boldly, he pops the table and said, just answer the question. Well, he doesn't realize I'm trying to guard my heart here and I'm looking at him. And he said, he did it, didn't he? And I said, you said it, I didn't. Now, once again, I could get around that guy right now. I could shake his hand. I could say, God bless you because I'm not going to harbor unforgiveness in my heart. Is that easy? No. But part of this as a believer is i got to get over and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to walk in forgiveness. That's not denying what somebody's done to you. But it is saying, okay, Father God, I forgive him. Now, the great example of that for me and you was Jesus. Remember when he's on the cross, what he said? He said, Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Woof. He had already forgiven them. And you know what he said? Father God, I I release them. And I ask you to release them. It's powerful when we get over and do that. And so that was a few weeks ago. And once again, I, I walk through the same thing you guys do every day. Every day, every one of us have opportunities to be offended in one way or another. But it's important that you get in the presence of God. And you say out of your mouth, Father God, I forgive them. I forgive them. Call them by name. Say, I forgive them for what they did. And I will tell you this once again. That when you begin to do it, it will stretch your faith. It will be an act of faith. That it will defy at times everything within you. And you'll say, Father God, I forgive them. Your teeth gritted. But what I found in my own life, the more I begin to do it and I say, Father God, bless them. 
Everything that I'm asking you to do for me today, I ask you to do that for them. Father God, I ask you to save them. Something begins to take place in my heart. And what happens there is unforgiveness is an inward poison. That the other person did something to you, but as long as you harbor that unforgiveness, that poison stays within you and it contaminates you. And unforgiveness goes from bitterness to jealousy, to wrath, to anger, to ultimately murder. But if I'll release that, that poison gets out of me. And some people will say this, well, I'll forgive them when they tell me they're sorry. A lot of times people have hurt us, and they don't even know that they've hurt us. And if you were to say, I I forgive you, or Paul, would you forgive me, vice versa, whatever there, sometimes they would look and say, for what? Even though they've, they put a dagger through your heart. And so once again, think of this thought. And I'll go on after this. I can't choose what other people do. I can only choose what I do. Stay pure in your heart, okay? So that was the first fox that spoiled the little vine. I want you to go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And we're going to hit another one. Tonight, I I, want to read this verse here, just the last part of Romans 14, verse 23. And then I'll tell you what the next little fox is. The last part of Romans 14, 23, it says, For whatever, whatever, whatever is not from faith is sin. One translation says, What does not originate or proceed from faith is sin. So, I can throw in doubt and unbelief. That would be sin. What about this one? And this is the the second one I want to get over tonight. Is the word worry. Worry is a sign of lack of faith. Now when I'm worrying, I would never say this to God, but this is how I'm acting. I'm worrying Because, Father God, you don't care or you don't hear or better yet, Father God, the reason I'm worrying is because I don't trust you. Now, none of us would ever say that. I don't trust you, God. But yet, in the sense of worry, this is what happens. Now, turn with me to to Matthew uh, chapter 6. Matthew 6. Now, remember, whatever is not of faith is sin. So when I get over and I worry... And I'm in trouble. Listen to what the message says as you're turning there. It says, if the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. That's Romans 14, 23, what we just read. So let's begin here in Matthew 6, verse 25. Now watch this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Do not worry. Now, That's harder to do than to say right there. But I look at when Jesus tells us don't worry, he meant it. He wasn't just throwing that out there. He was saying do not worry about your life. The word worry there means a distraction. To be preoccupied with things causing anxiety, stress, And pressure. 
Now, if I was to ask any of you in here right now, how many of you have got some stress, some anxiety, some pressure? It may just be unanimous. So that tells me we're all probably on the same playing field here. But it's interesting here that Jesus says, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, that what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, if you read the rest of this passage in my paraphrased editions, it's like the Lord was saying, you know, the sparrows never grow hungry. If I'll take care of the sparrows, I'll take care of you. How many of you have ever seen a sparrow in the middle of winter sitting on a, on a power line just freaked out? Just His feathers are all hung up. He doesn't know what's going on. You don't see a sparrow do that. God takes care of a sparrow. So when I look at this passage here, the Greek word for worry here is used in the verse pertaining to the, uh, the parable of the sower. To study what he's talking about, turn just a couple pages to Matthew chapter 13. I want you to see this. That word worry, like I said, it pertains specifically to this parable of the sower. Matthew 13 verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is the one who hears the word. Just because I hear the word of God doesn't mean it's going to do me any good. In every one of these four conditions in the, in the, the parable of the sower, every one of them heard the word of God, but only one of them had fruit. So he said this one here, he heard the word of God and the cares of this world. The New Living specifically says the worries of life. They come in and they choke out the word and it's unfruitful. Now here you go. You think about this. Those who hear the word of God, just because they hear the word of God, it does not guarantee anything. And so in this situation, the thing that he tells me that, that squeezes out the word of God is the daily cares of my life. The very worries of life. The pressure, the stress, even the anxiety, it chokes out the word and becomes unfruitful. Now in saying that right now, is there things in your life that you constantly worry about? It's almost like I, I can't get away from it. It brings anxiety and it brings stress. Now, when I was reading this verse right here, this literally described me back in early January. I tell you, the worry of the things that were going on, it, it literally was trying to choke me and squeeze me. So when this begins to happen with us, that the worries of life start trying to override everything. With, what do we do or what can we do? Turn to Philippians 4. Turn to Philippians 4. And this will help us biblically right here. Philippians chapter 4. Let's begin in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Woohoo! Be anxious 
for nothing. The New Living says, don't worry about anything. The Amplified says, don't fret or have anxiety about anything. The word anxious means literally to the point of distraction. To the point where I can't focus on the things of God. How many of you have ever, and don't show your hand, how many of you have ever been so worried in life that you, you couldn't read your Bible, you tried to read, and every time you would read a sentence, it was like my mind would just jump over here, right back to that worry, right back to that worry. I think all of us have been there. So this is what he's talking about, to the point of distraction. I can't focus on the things of God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. By prayer. The next word he uses is supplication, and supplication means petition. It it clarifies an intensity. It also means extended prayer. It also means to be very specific. So he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything. You know what everything means? Everything. Every event of my life, with prayer and supplication, Make your request made known to God. So what is prayer? Asking God. It's exactly what it is. That's what we do. We ask God. Uh, James said in James 4, 2, he said, you have not because you ask not. Think about this, Mark eleven twenty four. And whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. So he tells us right here, instead of allowing anxiety and worry to dominate me, Use your energy and your time to pray. To get into the presence of God. And to do that, you're going to have to discipline yourself. I I wish that just a person of prayer, we could lay hands on you and poof, it would happen. It doesn't happen that way. You learn to discipline yourself and say, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you on a daily basis. I'm going to get in there and pray and I'm going to get in there and seek you. If you don't remember anything tonight, remember this. Every sacrifice is based off of preference. We want the things of God, and we want God to move in our lives. But are we willing to sacrifice the time to pray? See, a lot of times people will say, well, just lay hands on me. You pray for me. But the issue here was he said, be anxious for nothing. So you're the one that's anxious or I'm the one that's anxious. So you know what he's telling me? Take some ownership. Jump in there. So he said, with prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God. What an invitation. Instead of living worried and anxious, pray. Here's your great one right here. Turn your prayers into, or turn your worries into prayer. You want to worry less? Pray more. That's deep, wasn't it? (laughs) Same for every one of us. Now watch where he goes right here. When I pray and make my request made known to God, he said, and one translation says, then the peace of God which surpasses all your understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When I get over and I begin to pray right here like he's asking me to, there's a peace that comes with it. There's a peace. Now, here, here's, a, here's a thing that you got to understand. 
When I pray and there's no peace, you know what that indicates in my life? That I'm still hanging on to that worry. I haven't prayed and got over where I believe God and said, all right, Lord, here's, here it is. You take it. But when I get over in faith, and this is a locator of my faith, there'll be peace. When you pray, there'll become a peace where you have the, the knowing on the inside. And the peace of God, he said, will surpass all understanding. Do you know prayer and peace are closely related? Anytime I get over it, guys, when a peace comes on me, I can tell I get over faith. Now, back in early January, guys, I was rocked. It rocked me. But I dug and I got in the Word and I began to pray and I began to seek God. And I said, Lord, i got to have you in this area. And before long, a peace came on me. And if anybody asked me about the situation that was happening, you know what I'd say? God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. As if to say, God's got my back in this situation. Now look at something that's real interesting in this verse. He ends and says that, that the, his, his understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said it will guard your heart and your mind. Your heart and mind are different. What does your heart have to do with? Your spirit, the real you on the inside. He said, I'll guard your heart. Then he said, your mind. Your mind has to do with your soul. And so if I look with what he said right there, that, that his peace will surpass understanding, will guard my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So when my heart and my mind is full of peace, it overflows onto my body. It influences my body. Now think about this in your life, and this is how you'll see this come to life to you here. When you worry, it affects your body. How many of you, when you worry, you're restless? You're sleepless? How many of you, when you really, really worry, have ever physically got sick? I raise my hand to every one of those. And so he's telling me here that when I pray and I turn it over to God, there's going to be a peace that will come upon me that will guard my heart and my mind. And so when I crawl in bed at night, whoo, I'm going to sleep like a baby. Because I've turned it all over onto him. I said, here, Lord, you take it. You have it. So these are locators of my faith right here. Get in the word of God. Begin to pray. Begin to say, okay, Father God. I prayed and I'm going to stand and I'm going to believe you on this. And when worry tries to knock back up or come back around, I say, uh-huh, nah. I prayed. I prayed. Remember Mark eleven twenty four. He said, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. Believe you receive them. See, it does me no good to pray and just think, man, I... I hope this is going to happen. Here's a key for you in prayer. Find scripture on what's pertaining to your life. And then say this, Lord, I'm praying in reference to such and such verse. You want to be in the will of God? Just get in the word of God. When you're in the word of God, you'll be in the will of God. And so I can can stand on the scripture because it's even as we sang tonight. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is the same. So that's what I root and ground to. And I said, Father God, you said this, you promised, and that's what I'm standing on. And I believe it's going to happen. 
And I thank you, Lord, for I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight in Jesus' name. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, believers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The word meditate means to fix your mind on these things. Now, the New Living says it a little different words that we can understand a little bit. It says, fix your mind or your thoughts on what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's gracious, what's excellent. And he said, fix your mind on these. Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind to the word of God. So what I begin to do, once again, I bombard my mind with scripture. And when that worry tries to show back up, I come back and say, nah. Uh-uh, I'm, I'm, I'm meditating on these things. Now, in this passage right here, he said, whatever things are of a good report. Anytime you hear the word good report, and if you were to cross-reference this, it will take you back to the book of Numbers, chapter 11 through 13. That was when God led the Israelites out of Egypt, and Moses said, i got to have some spies to go in the promised land and check it out. So remember, he sent 12 in there. Out of the 12... Ten came back and had a bad report. They said, we can't do it. We're not capable. The giants are too big. Two came back in and it specifically says they gave a good report. What was the good report based on? What God had told them? They said, we can. We can. And so this is how the word of God operates. I get over and I'm either going to focus on a bad report or I'm going to focus on a good report. Now the thing is with those twelve... They all saw the same thing. They all had the same opportunity, but only two of them said, we're going to choose the good report. See, too many times we would rather try to listen to our understanding. When I listen to mankind's understanding, it doesn't make sense. How you ever figured that out? Man's understanding, when it pertains to the Word of God, does not make sense. Let me give you some illustrations real quick. Does it make sense that you got born again and you received Jesus in your life even though you never saw him? No, that doesn't make sense. But yet I still believe. Does it make sense that I can lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name and they, they are healed? That doesn't make sense. Does it make any sense for me to take my hard-earned money and give 10% of it to God and God will bless it? That doesn't make any sense. But once again, when I get over and say, I'm going to trust God. I choose to believe God. I choose to believe the Word of God. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the Word of God's working mightily in me. And I base everything on this, and i got to get a hold of this. And then he ends in this verse, and he says, If there is anything praiseworthy, I would venture to say 100% of the time, when you're dominated by worry... The last thing you ever want to do is praise God. When I'm dumb, you're, you're fixed on it. Man, you can't get away from it. But something happens when I begin to praise God and I say, Father God, I thank you right now. According to 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me that's in, that's in the world. I thank you, Father God. You're the good shepherd. You make me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me by the still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake.
where I just begin to praise God and I start boasting on who he is. And he begins to work in me and he begins to move in me. Now, I don't have time to take you there, but a great scripture to stand on is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. Trust in the Lord, and he'll order your steps. So the bottom line is, I can get wore out by leaning onto my own understanding. Or I can say, Father God, I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to get rid of worry because worry will keep faith from moving. It'll dominate you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.